Good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Thursday, October 5th. The Trump campaign raised triple the amount of money as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in the third quarter. That's according to the New York Times, which is reporting that the former president brought in $45.5 million, a major haul that is being attributed to his fundraising off his mugshot from the Georgia indictment. But given the drama on Capitol Hill lately and Trump's monstrous lead over everyone else in the GOP primary, much of the attention today is still focused on the House, unsurprisingly. This morning, we explore the power vacuum and the jockeying already heating up between wannabe Kevin McCarthy successors. And here to talk about all of that is our own congressional national security reporter, Anthony Andragna. Good morning, Anthony. Hey, good to be with you. So, Anthony, the first name that came up as a possible McCarthy replacement, at least that I heard, was Steve Scalise, uh, the House Majority Leader. What do we know about his ability to actually secure 218 votes for the gavel? Well, something I heard definitely throughout the day on Wednesdays among rank and file is they don't think anybody has a path yet to 218. That obviously could change pretty quickly over the next week. I think the challenge for Leader Scalise, there's going to be some questions about his health. He's obviously been battling cancer and is undergoing treatment right now for that. But then there's also just a question of a, a lot of moderates still feel very burned. Emotions are still very raw after Speaker McCarthy's ouster. And I think folks are going to be looking for some concrete changes to the rules of the chamber before they're willing to go along with anybody. So that's a challenge for Leader Scalise, but also for anybody else who wants the job. Right. There's been a lot of talk about the motion to vacate and the fact that any one person can bring up a vote to oust a speaker. Do we have any sense yet about where Scalise comes down on this? I've not heard directly from him. I don't think we've heard much from him since he announced he announced his bid on Wednesday, but I don't think we've heard much from him since that point. That's going to be a key question that we're going to be looking for both him and then anybody else who's running uh, next week at the candidate forum to have to respond to. That's clearly something that the rank and file are, are anxious for answers for. And I think they come down in different places. There's some that say, you know, I want it lifted from one to three to five. There are others that say, you know, this needs to be lifted to a majority threshold and to basically diffuse this bomb, if you will, that obviously uh, blew up for Speaker McCarthy and there's certainly a lot of rank-and-file members that don't want to see that happen again anytime soon. Yeah, and of course that's going to be a challenge because of those members like Matt Gates, who after you know, winning a scalp might not want to relinquish the power they have with the motion to vacate right now. So that's Scalise. And, and by the way, folks should also keep an eye on this notion that some of the Kevin McCarthy allies who don't like Scalise have or could potentially undermine him in his bid to get the gavel. That's something I'm going to be watching, too. So we're also seeing a dark horse candidate throw his hat into the ring, Jim Jordan. Do we think he actually has a shot? I think the challenge for Jim Jordan is going to be, you know, what version of Jim Jordan that we see. There was obviously the the Jim Jordan that many of us remember from government funding fights over the last decade, from oversight of the Obama administration and, and things like that. But of late, we've seen him, you know, he gave a passionate speech defending Speaker McCarthy on the floor in the lead up to the vote that eventually led to the ouster. And uh, so I think the question that he's going to have to answer to a lot of people is, you know, what flavor of Jordan are we going to be getting here? And certainly the onus is going to be on him, I think, for a lot of moderates to to know how he's going to govern. And there's certainly something that we've heard over and over again is this desire to 
be able to show results, to prove results, and to deliver concrete accomplishments as they prepare to run for re-election next year. And I think any speaker candidate is going to have to answer those questions to win the support of moderates. You know, we've talked at length about, you know, these 20 or so people that represent districts that Joe Biden won. And so how you convince those folks to get behind a more conservative speaker candidate, I think is going to be the question for anybody to answer, but especially for Congressman Jordan, who does have that record. Absolutely. Somebody who, you know, used to cheer shutdowns and brinksmanship when it came to, you know, debt ceiling negotiations. One thing that people were sort of tweeting about a lot today and chattering about was like where he comes down on Ukraine. What do you know about what happened with that today? And are Republicans concerned that if they pick a Jordan, that means no more Ukraine money? After Speaker McCarthy's ouster, I think there's no question that it's going to be harder for the House to deliver Ukraine aid, no matter who the speaker ends up being. And certainly something we heard from Congressman Jordan on Wednesday was skepticism about additional Ukraine aid. I don't think that's surprising to people that have been tracking anybody associated with the right flank of the House Republican conference Obviously, this has been a huge dividing point among Republicans in Congress, especially in the Senate, where uh, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has been an outspoken champion of uh, providing additional aid to Ukraine. So we're going to have to see here. But there's certainly, you know, as much as there's an outspoken group of House Republicans that are opposed to additional aid to Ukraine, there's probably an equally vocal group of them that really want to see this happen. And so I think, you know, any speaker candidate's going to have to figure out a way to navigate sort of those dividing fault lines and not perhaps rule out Ukraine aid without committing to it in a way that we've seen, um, again, Leader McConnell champion really in the Senate. Yeah, tricky, tricky that one. Uh, One wild card here, Donald Trump. uh, And I'm not talking about this crazy idea of Trump being speaker, even though, as we all have talked about before, yes, the Speaker of the House does not have to be an elected member. Uh, It can be anyone, anyone who the House wants. But in terms of Trump, you know, I remember when I was covering the Trump White House years, the former president would absolutely fawn over Jim Jordan when he would go on television and defend the president who was being impeached, hit back on Democrats, was a vocal supporter of the president. What do we think about Trump actually weighing in here? Do we think that he would weigh in and If he does, would it even matter? Well, I think that's sort of the X factor here. I think it could absolutely matter quite a bit. And, you know, one of the interesting things has been, you know, the the former president has oftentimes diverged with the House Republican caucus in terms of legislative strategy. And so throwing his weight behind a speaker, uh, a candidate, uh, may help that person in the short term. But you have to wonder if that would actually help them legislatively, given that they're going to have to be working with a Senate that is led by Democrats and President Joe Biden. And I think former President Trump obviously has tended to weigh in in terms of personalities that he likes, not necessarily people that may be able to deliver the best results for his party. And uh, you'd have to imagine that may be the case again if he wades into the speaker fight. But I don't think there's any question that, especially in a narrowly divided House and in a conference that has a lot of fans of his, that his uh, endorsement could carry a lot of weight as we see this election evolve over the next week. Really fascinating stuff. And let the games begin. Anthony, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. And for the rest of your schedule today, the House and Senate are out, but a lot of lawmakers will be flying out to San Francisco. There's a memorial service today for the former Senator Dianne Feinstein, who died last week at the age of 90. 
Here in Washington, President Biden will be receiving a briefing on Ukraine from members of his national security team. I'm Rachel Bade. Thanks for listening.